Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kid Kong at the Movies. I am once again your host, the one and only Kid Kong. So, trying something a little new on this week's episode. In that, this is a movie that has never actually been released to the public at large. There have been some people here and there that have seen the movie. Namely, celebrities or members of studios or whatnot. But by and large, this is a movie that has almost no people who have seen it. Today we're going to be talking about the 1972 black comedy, The Day the Clown Cried. Okay, I have been aware of this movie's existence for the better part of a decade. And it has been on my list of movies that I would like to see one day. I don't know that it will ever happen. And I will explain that as we go along. But it's important to note that in this movie, the director, as well as the writer, were also the main character, the main star. In that, it was Jerry Lewis. The great Jerry Lewis, who passed away in 2017. As an actor, Jerry Lewis was, of course, known for Sad Sack, uh, The Nutty Professor. Now, that's the original Nutty Professor with the guy named Sherman Kelp, not Sherman Clump. The Eddie Murphy Nutty Professor decided to go with a fat guy become skinny guy kind of trope, whereas the original Nutty Professor, it was really nerdy, gangly kind of professor character who becomes suave and debonair. And that's a trope that's been used in a couple of other media to like spoof that. Um, Jerry Lewis was also in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Road to Bali, The Caddy, and Hollywood are bust. Now, as far as a director goes, he's directed quite a few of the movies he's been in, several of which I've already listed as his actor, but he's also directed The Bellboy, Ladies Man, The Errand Boy, The Patsy, and The Family Jewels. This is based on an original screenplay written by Joan O'Brien and Charles Denton with additional material written by Jerry Lewis himself. This is a quote-unquote unfinished film. And when I say unfinished film, I mean that it was not finished fully being edited, scored, that kind of stuff. Like it, was the whole, it was filmed in its entirety. It is about a circus clown who is imprisoned in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. It was met with tremendous controversy before it would even be released as well as issues with copyright, and Jerry Lewis himself insisted repeatedly that the film would never be released to people to view it. Character-wise, there was... There were about 10 or 12 actors in this film that had repeated lines. Now, of those 10 or 12, I'm really only going to give you four, because those are the most noteworthy characters. Helmut Dork, who is Jerry Lewis, main character, the clown. Ada Dork, who is his wife, was uh, portrayed by Harriet Anderson. Now, Harriet Anderson is a part of Ingmar Bergman's stock company. A lot of Ingmar Bergman films, she appears in as a working class female character. Uh, a couple of them include Summer with Monica, Last Pair Out, The Blessed Ones, and Dogville is probably the most recent one, 2003. <sighs> Colonel Bentler is played by Anton Diffring, who died in 1989. Differing was, of course, in Convoy, The Hotel Sahara, Top Secret, Black Tent, Blue Max, The Unicorn, 
and the 1960s adaptation of Fahrenheit 451. Johann Keltner was played by Uf Palm, who also passed away in 1993. Johann Keltner was in a lot of German and Swedish films, most notably Black Roses, Prison, Only a Mother, The Girls, Rooftree, and Barabbas. A lot of the actors that were in this were predominantly French, Swedish, or German stage actors or actors who had had distinguished careers in their home countries, most of which most of you will have not have heard of, and I am not entirely comfortable attempting to pronounce their names. So, all right, because this is a little bit of a different uh, episode because of the subject matter in the movie in general, and no, there's no way none of you have seen it, nor will any of you have the possibility of it being spoiled before you can see it, really. I'm going to go ahead and give a basic rundown of the plot this time around. Henry, uh, Jerry Lewis plays Dork, who is a washed-up clown working at a circus. He causes an accident while doing one of his shows, and the head clown meets with the head of the circus and gets him demoted. He goes home despondent over this, and his wife insists and urges him that he needs to stand up for himself more. So, he goes back and essentially gives them an ultimatum. Unfortunately, that ultimatum does not work out well for him, and he is fired. He, despondent over this, goes to a bar, gets drunk, and begins loudly criticizing the country of Germany, and begins to do a mocking rendition of Adolf Hitler while drunk and in his clown makeup. This is a giant no-no back in those days, um, and gets him arrested. They put him in a political prison camp for what should be a three to four year sentence while they try to get a trial date set for him. During his time there, he tries to brag about himself being a famous circus performer. But of all the people that are in there, he really only has one friend who is a German prisoner by the name of Johann Keltner. We're never told why Keltner is in the prison, but it can be assumed that he spoke out against Nazi Germany by the actions later in the film. At one point, some Jewish prisoners are brought in and put on the other side of the fence because even back then, with these concentration camps and these prisons and whatnot, they still believed in separation on that. Some of the Jewish prisoners that are brought in are children as well. He's goaded by other inmates on his side into performing. However, he's really not good. And his performance is so poorly received by other people in the prison that they actually beat him and leave him in the courtyard to sulk by himself. However, Dork notices that the Jewish children on the other side of the fence are laughing, you know, that they enjoyed it. So he decides at that point that he is going to perform for them for a while, and he gets he gets a good audience out of that and repeatedly performs them until he is eventually ordered by the commandant to stop. He's unwilling to leave the children upset and scared over in that prison and just doesn't want them acting like that. So he keeps doing it, which is a, again, that's a, that's a no-no. He, he's fraternizing with Jewish prisoners while he himself is not Jewish but German. This gets him in a lot of trouble and he ends up actually getting assaulted and knocked unconscious by members of the SS who then proceed to scare the children away from the fence. Johann Keltner tries to help him, is chased into a corner, and beaten to death. 
Dork at this point is horrendously depressed and is placed into solitary confinement. However, the Commandant decides that we can use him to help what we're trying to do. And he goes to them and by promising to review his case and get him seen before whatever kind of trial they need to to get him out of there, he gets him to help them load children onto a train to take them to other prisons. Unbeknownst to them, uh, the train that they're all loaded on goes to Auschwitz. When he gets there, ultimately he is used by the SS to, a la the Pied Piper, lead these children into gas chambers. Horrified by this and refusing to do this for a long time, he refuses to leave them after about the second or third group he's brought in there. He cannot bring himself to leave these children alone in fear, knowing that this is going to be the end of their life. And so he decides to remain with them and walks hand in hand with a little girl into the chamber. And that's where the movie ends. Dear God. I know I've said that I want to see this movie. I want to see this movie purely from an artistic standpoint. This sounds like the most horrifyingly depressing thing one could ever witness. And I, <laughs> for all the actors to have possibly done it, Jerry Lewis? Comedic slapstick Jerry Lewis? Really? At the time that Lewis was approached about making this movie, he was performing at the Olympiad in Las Vegas. He met with the producer, Walsberger, in 1971 and was offered the chance to star and direct a film with complete financial backing by the studio, meaning he would not have to try and get producers, he would not have to try and get funding, he would have it. Bobby Darren, Milton Berle, and Dick Van Dyke had all been approached about this and had outright declined it. No, we're not doing it. And after reading the initial script, Jerry Lewis was pretty reluctant to do it as well. I mean... Between the fact that he's a comedian, not a dramatic actor, and he also himself is of Jewish heritage, uh, it seemed a bit harsh on for him to take. However, he ultimately agreed to do so to try and accurately portray the horrors of the Holocaust. And while touring concentration camps, because he went and saw both Auschwitz and Dachau, as well as getting some exterior shots in Paris and Sweden, he spent time reworking the script into how he wanted it to be. And he actually lost 35 pounds in six weeks of pre-production by eating only grapefruit. That sounds awful. They began filming in Sweden in April of 1972. From the moment they started filming, it was delayed and beset by problems. Film equipment was either lost or delivered late. Money that was supposed to be given to him was not available. The producer routinely assured him, you know, money's coming, don't worry, money's coming. But not once did Walsberger ever show up on set. Ultimately, he actually ran out of financial aid. By he, I mean Walsberger himself, ran out of the finances for it prior to even completing the, the movie. And before his option to even produce expired before filming began, he was already out of money. At this point, it also became noted that Joan O'Brien... While she had been initially paid the $5,000 finder's fee that she was promised, she was stiffed on $50,000. 
which is pretty bad considering these these characters are her intellectual property and she owns them like that. She owns the copyright. That's that's not a good thing. In the end, Jerry Lewis actually had to end up fully financing the film himself over $2 million. And if you bear in mind the fact that he was sold a bill of goods on this film and told you would have complete backing from the studio financially, all you'd have to do is direct and write. That's it. That's all you got to do. The parties were never able to come to terms that would allow the film to be released during the production. O'Brien was eventually shown a rough cut and felt that it was not fit for human viewing and refused to allow it to be shown. Lewis wrapped his filming and then announced to the producer. I mean, it, it wasn't even so much the producer. He announced to the press that not only did Walsberger fail to make good on any of his financial obligations he didn't even produce it he said he was he did nothing he was no hands-on nothing at all Walsberger retaliated by threatening to sue for defamation of character now folks if somebody says something about you that is false and it could potentially damage your reputation that's when you sue over damaging over you know defamation of character I want to make 100% abundantly clear this right here, what I'm about to say, is a purely hypothetical scenario and it is being used to explain that. If you were to accuse Will Smith of kicking babies and he was actually doing it, he could not sue you for defamation of character because what you stated was true. If you said Will Smith was kicking babies and he was not, then he can sue you for defamation of character. Same thing applies here. The producer threatened to sue. He could not ultimately follow through with it because Jerry Lewis was right. With film being wrapped, Lewis took a rough cut with him because the, neg the, the completed negative they had made stayed with the studio. He took that rough cut with him because he wanted to be sure it would not become a lost film. It was never officially released due to the failure to secure the underlying rights from O'Brien. People were less than thrilled by this movie idea. They had issues with Jerry Lewis being the character because, again, he was predominantly known for comedic slapstick comedy. Like, he, he was not known to take on subject matter like this. There were issues with historical accuracy in how the SS soldiers were portrayed and how camps were portrayed. Now, folks, I can only go off of so much information that I find on this simply because you, you can't view the movie yourself. And... Jerry Lewis himself had been very negative over the following 20 years or so about the film. And I mean, for years, years, he claimed that it would never be seen by people. You know, people would be noted as heckling him as a, at a stand-up about it, and he would shut them down about it, quite rude over it. He even at some point said that he felt embarrassed by it. That being said, eventually he began, he began to enjoy... The fact that he could lord over everybody. I did this movie. I've seen this movie. None of you will ever get to see this movie. In the years since that film failed to come out and everything that happened with it, many in Hollywood, both actors, directors, producers, whatnot, feel that in a lot of ways Lewis was ahead of his time with this film. Similar movies that later came out 
garnered much praise and acclaim. Pianist, Oscar's, uh, I'm sorry, Schindler's List, uh, the Jacob trial. There, there's a lot of different movies that have been made in the ensuing decades since that have been very positively received. David Cross, you know, Mr. Show, uh, he was in Small Soldiers, Alvin and the Chipmunks, everything. Uh, he said that had this film been made today, he would have been crawling over people at the Oscars to get to the stage to get his Oscar himself. You know, the film. this film was made at a time when the Holocaust was a less used term. I'm not going to say it was a less known term, because even in the 70s, we knew quite a few of the atrocities that were committed in Nazi Germany. But it also just wasn't really talked about very often that six million people lost their lives in this. You know, it was also thought that at the time to take on such subject matter with a touch of comedy and irreverence was a terrible idea. But again, you, you take that movie in its time period that it came out, in the, or that it would have came out, rather, in the 70s, versus how it would do if they were to remake it today. It would probably be much better received today, but we also have a lot more information available about what went on at that time. And I do believe that if the movie would have came out later or would have had better press, better production, whatever the case may be, I think Jerry Lewis might have potentially got an Oscar nomination for this. I said earlier that almost nobody has seen this movie. There have been documentaries made about this movie. People have done interviews about this movie. They have done rough recreations for German television and things like that that have been shown over the years. And in fact, there was a 31-minute one called Der Clown that was available on YouTube up until about five years ago. The film itself, The Day the Clown Cried, has not ever been released in any way, shape, or form for public eyes to see. Jerry Lewis, at one point, got to where you know, he he wanted to release it. He, he told several... I believe it was on Johnny Carson. He told him that, you know, I still have the rough copy. I eventually want to finish editing it, making it perfect, and try and get it released. Um... In 1973, he was on the, the Chris Van Patten show, and he told him that they were finishing it up. It had been invited to be at the Canes Music uh, Film Festival, and that 11 weeks later, it would be released on American theaters. None of that ever happened because of the copyright issues. And I do mean outstanding copyright issues that will to the, that has still prevented this movie coming out. You know, they've, they've even discussed remakes, but none have ever quite come to fruition. Now, where it gets a little bit interesting with The Day the Clown Cried on as far as people seeing it. Supposedly, in 2015, Jerry Lewis donated a copy to the Library of Congress with the stipulation that it not be screened until June of 2024. To that end, the LOC has stated that it will eventually be screened at their audiovisual conservatory, or conservation campus, rather, in Virginia. They will not loan it out to any other theaters without the permission of the estate of Jerry Lewis, and it will never be released on home video, home media. The copy they have is an incomplete copy as far as editing, music, and all that other standpoint. Um, I want to see this movie again from an from an artistic standpoint. Uh, there's there's a lot more about this movie. A lot of interviews that have happened over the years that I don't really 
want to directly lift and quote in the context of my show. Um, I think the idea, as horrifying as it is, there's also an element of, I don't want to say it's touching, but it does show a little bit of the human spirit that someone who's not connected to these children in any way, shape, or form would be so unwilling to allow them to go to their deaths with fear in their hearts like that, that he would go with them to try and be like, see, it's okay, kind of thing. Um, I love Jerry Lewis. I love Jerry Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. Some of their short specials that you could watch, some of the greatest things I've ever seen, uh, seeing them on laughing occasionally. Like they, they, he might have seemed like an odd choice for this movie. Ultimately, I think he was the best choice for this movie. And hopefully one day this film actually will get released in some capacity. I don't care if I have to get in my vehicle and make a 900-mile road trip to Virginia to see this film. When it is shown in any way, shape, or form, if it is possible to get in to see this film, I will see this movie. And who knows, if I do, maybe I'll revisit this subject on an actual Rewind review, because technically, this movie came out 50 years ago. Even though it will have been made available at that exact moment, I have a hard and fast rule on my show that I I will not talk about anything that is any less than five years removed from where I'm at right now. Like, I'm never going to talk... I'm not going to talk about Black Panther. I'm not going to talk about Wonder Woman. Uh, Deadpool 2. The Dune adaptation that's fixing to come out. Blade Runner 2049. I'm not going to talk about these films because within the last five years, it's possible that somebody may not have seen them and I don't want to take that from somebody. However, I do believe this movie does not fall under that possible jurisdiction simply because of how few people will be able to see it. If you want to know more about The Day the Clown Cried, there are a lot of articles you can read online. Um, I can't even begin to tell you which ones you should go with because some of them cover the same material. Others cover very different material. You know, it, Again, this is a film that I would love nothing more than to see. One day, perhaps, I will. But that's The Day the Clown Cried. This episode will drop on September 26th. After this, we're moving into October. Starting next week, I am doing a Halloween month. What that means is I'm going to try to get a guest on my show every week to talk about a horror franchise that somebody is attached to. When I say attached to, it's like something somebody loves. Like, I've got a friend of mine who loves the Phantasm series. We will talk about the Phantasm series. I have a friend of mine who loves the uh, Nightmare Before on Elm Street series. We will talk about that. I'm going to talk with Cal, the kaiju guy, because Godzilla is technically a horror film, and he is unequivocally, to me, the definitive... Like, he, he knows kaiju better than I do. I'd like to see if he would like to discuss the impact Godzilla has had on horror movies. And we'll eventually get there. The very last week of Halloween month will be on Evil Dead because I love those movies. After that, we will get into November. We will be back into our normal stuff. If you don't want to listen to Halloween month, that's on you. If you like what I do with this other thing instead, 
by all means, listen to whatever episodes you want to. I appreciate everybody who does listen to me. Starting in November, we'll begin with Ghosts in the Darkness, which I kind of teased a little bit last week. I say last week, it's the Jim Carrey one. Not the Jim Carrey one, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. I'm sorry, folks. It's it's just after lunchtime. I've just eaten, so my brain is kind of a little lax at the moment. But, yeah, so over the course of Halloween month, we will be talking about horror movies, the franchises, whatnot, that have impacted it. And then starting in November, back to regularly scheduled Kid Kong at the movies, we will begin with Ghost in the Darkness. And then after that, we're going to get to Spider-Man 3, because I promise you guys we talk about that one, and the more I've been thinking about it, the more I want to do it. I hope I was able to give you a little bit of information on the day the clown cried. If you have the desire to learn more, by all means, look into more. I may well do an addendum episode of this at some point and talk about further issues. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. I am Kid Kong. Thank you once again for listening, and I will see you at the movies.